Listening to Good Woman with Alexa Ann Rockwell. That's me. Here we discover new and old ways to master our God given roles as women, wives, mothers, and friends. I am far from perfect, but strive with me. Strive with me to become a good woman. Hey guys, welcome back to Good Woman and today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about having children, (laughs) having more children. Why decide to stop when you decide to stop? Being fruitful and multiplying, right? And uh, for the last few years, I have been really thinking about, man, I would really love for my husband to get a reversal done. Uh, Tyler was, let me give you a little backstory here. So anyone that knows my family knows that we have three kids and our middle child was born with a bunch of heart defects and had a couple open heart surgeries after her birth and... We almost decided to stop having kids then, but we were like, no, we always wanted at least three. I don't want to step on anybody's toes (laughs) saying all this stuff, but read, read this book. It's called, um, it's called the birth order book by Dr. Kevin Lehman, why you are the way you are. And it is very interesting to kind of see how, you know, where you are in your birth order, that kind of changes how things are. And again, it changes the dynamic of the family. And so I always insisted on we have to have more than two children. I know (laughs) I was a middle child, but then also there had to be some sharing involved. Um, The dynamic changes once you go above two. And so that's what I wanted for our family. And so even though we were overwhelmed with Angela, we wanted them close together. That was another thing that we wanted. We didn't want these breaks uh, within children. We wanted them all to be able to be friends and play. And so we thought, okay, well, let's have our third child. And we had Tyler. And then when he was four months old, my husband got a vasectomy because he was done. And I remember thinking, well, what if we're not sure, right? But, you know, if my husband's done, then I need to respect that. And at that point in our marriage, I was still in this state of mind that said, well, my husband knows best and I just need to submit and I just need to respect his decision without considering my feelings as much as his feelings, right? So there was just this, and there's been a switch within the last couple years where I have feelings and thoughts too, and they mean just as much, even though you're the head of the household, my feelings and thoughts also have to be measured. And there's a reason why we are different, and there's a reason why we think differently, and we have to talk about these things and to consider and come to conclusions together 
and we're a team versus one person just being the head and making the decisions because that's what you want right and so that flows into this issue because after a while once we passed Tyler's baby stage I started wanting more kids and our culture tells us well you know, you did the smart thing by stopping. You can't do expensive sports. You can't keep providing for more than three children. You know, this is a smart, this is smart of you to stop and you'll just have to wait for grandkids, right? That's what our culture tells us. That's what everyone in my life has told me. And then also I am told that, oh, well, I'm just having baby fever. You know, all women have baby fever. You need to just let it go. And men joke about it oh, this baby fever, you know, you just got to let it go. And um, and then men say, oh, don't get any ideas. Whenever women, you know, are around other women having babies and then the men get to joke, don't get any ideas. We're not doing that. And the woman is left feeling a empty womb, mourning that her womb is empty. And we're taught that that's normal and that I'm supposed to just be okay with it. And that's the smart thing to do. And I'm just being a silly, emotional woman. And I need to let it go until I have grandkids. That's what we're told. Uh, (laughs) Tell me if I'm wrong. And that just didn't sit well with me. Because I'm 31. I, my friends are still having kids. I can still have children. Why am I not having children? I don't care what so-and-so is doing next door. I want to have more children and I don't like being told that I can't do something that's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's okay to want more children. It's okay to say, hey, I want another child. And it's not just an emotional thing. It's what God put me on this earth for. So I'm supposed to be content with being a stay-at-home mom, doing what I need to do, staying home, being, being a mother. That's my job is being a mother. And that's what the Bible says is my first priority. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And yet I have to stop when culture says it's smart to stop. So you're a mother, but only for so long. The kids will now leave you and then you get to wait for grandkids. Is that that kind of seems unfair, to be honest. If my job and my goal in life is to be a mother and do it well and to multiply the earth, and yet you restrict that, I would say that that is a very emotional process that I would have to go through. That is a very emotional thing that I would have to say, wow, I am being emotional about that because you're stopping me from doing my job. And I don't appreciate it. And I finally come to that point where I'm, you know, I get it. You're tired. I get it. Having a bigger family, you know, things change. But that doesn't stop me from not wanting to be a mom. And if you've ever felt that, if you've ever stopped having kids and then felt that feeling, And just ignored it because our culture tells us to ignore it. I encourage you to dive into this book. Uh, My friend, you know, I've been pondering about all this for years. How it it just doesn't make logical sense. And um, and I don't like being called emotional. I guess (laughs) I guess that's the thing. I don't like being called emotional when I'm thinking about it logically. 
And so my friend had encouraged me to read Be Fruitful and Multiply, What the Bible Says About Having Children by Nancy Campbell. Now, I will preface everything. I will preface this by saying, I believe every book is trying to sell you something. Every book is is telling you what they believe and this is their most important thing that they want to talk about and that's why there's a whole book on it. That doesn't mean that everything that's in this book I I need to be convinced by. The only reason I'm prefacing that is because it's not that I don't agree with this book. It's just look at the book non-emotionally. Okay? Just look at the book non-emotionally. When I read a book, I don't go, oh man, that was such a good book. Now I'm going to change my whole entire life. No, you don't do that with every single book unless it's the Bible, right? So I just I just encourage you to step back. But what she says in this book is really interesting because she dives into those questions that I had about, well, what am I supposed to do once my job is over? oh, am I supposed to start a new career then? Because that was the other thing that my husband and I would talk about. Well, once the kids are out of the house, you know, you can start your career. My career? What career? What You want me to start over? Oh, am I supposed to now be successful in the world now that my children are out of the house? And then, oh, then it's just me and you and we're going to be empty nesters and that's going to be great. And not that I wouldn't enjoy being an empty nester with my husband. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think you're like there's a mind shift it's like what am, what do I enjoy I enjoy having kids around um and I see my parents my parents had a child together when um so my stepmom and my dad had had my sister when I was 15 I think I was 15 and so she's 17 now and my parents are older and they say, hey, it keeps you young. It, you know, life isn't boring. We don't have an empty nest and we have another child to love and raise. And yeah, they're tired, but, you know, she, God gave them what they needed and they had, you know, help. And they're like, it worked out and we're glad we had her. And I see them and I see families like that. And I go, children are blessings. They're not a burden. They're blessings. And instead of being empty nesters, quote unquote, enjoying retirement, being lonely, um, <laughs> not being lonely, but, you know, enjoying retirement. That's, I kind of, I started seeing that as a selfish thing. I started seeing retirement, um, a childless retirement as a place where, oh, well, I was going to do all the things that I couldn't do when I had kids. When in reality, I love my here and now. I'm not waiting on anything. And since I love the here and now, why would I want it to go away? Because culture tells me that that's what I need to do. And so with all those thoughts in mind, I read this book. And she points out some really good, good things. Let me quote her here. Psalm 127, 4 through 5 says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In the context of Bible days, arrows were for the purpose of war. We are in a war today, and God needs arrows for his army. God wants children born to fulfill his strategies and plans. When a warrior went out to war, how many arrows would he want in his quiver? One or two? 
No, he'd want a squ- he'd want to squeeze in as many as he could. The more arrows he had in his quiver, the more weapons he had to slay the enemy, and the more protection he provided for himself. Now, this might seem extreme, like, well, we're not really in a war, but we are in a spiritual war, and the Bible tells us so. And she mentions this towards the end of the book that I also highlighted um, that says this. The Muslim families of the world are not limiting their families. They have an average of 6.8 children per family and are the fastest growing religion in the world through their birth rate. Think about that. Think about it. When I read that, I was like, you know who else is having a lot of children? The Mormons. Mormons and Muslims are having many, many children. And yet we're doing what? Two or three, maybe four. And that's okay. That's culturally acceptable. And I started thinking about it and I, and I thought, what? wow, we're limiting the Christian outreach. We're limiting ourselves in this spiritual war by not having more children, more Christian families, good Christian families. Because I know when you think of a lot of children and Christians, you think of the Duggar family. And I'm sorry, that's not the type of Christianity we need to be spreading. So why don't we Christians that actually believe, uh, that actually teach good theology, why are we not doing our part and having more children to combat the world in that? We literally could play a part in spiritual warfare on this world by having children. And sometimes I think too, I think my biggest struggle is, well, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of flaws. I feel like I'm messing up my kids already. Why would I put more kids out into the world to mess them up too? And then I get back to what God says of me and says, Alexa, Alexa, stop. (laughs) And then I think back and think, who else is perfect? No one. But they're still, but these other religions are still having children because they know, they know what their duty is. So why am I stopping and limiting myself? And I think about this too. I always wanted, I mean, my husband and I had this conversation before his vasectomy and it was, well, I'd like another daughter, two boys, two girls. How perfect would that be? And I remember him saying, well, what if we had another boy? And I remember Eric being such a handful. He still is. (laughs) But thinking, I was so overwhelmed at that time and thinking, oh no, what if I had another boy? And that's when I had, you know, succumbed to, okay, I guess you're right. We're too overwhelmed for more children. And ever since then, I've had this feeling that I limited God. I limited God by saying, well, what if? And I limited. And my daughter just the last year has been telling her daddy, I want a sister. I want a sister. And I tell her, I say, well, you got to pray. You have to pray for a sister (laughs) and then pray to God because he's the one that decides gender. And she said, and then my son says, well, I want another brother. And it's given me a good perspective. What if we have another boy? Then great. We'll have another boy. God will give me the strength to have another boy. And guess what? That boy is going to be another arrow in the quiver. That boy may do wonderful things one day. 
And I finally come to that point where I, again, limited God and our family by doing what ifs and being anxious and being worried. And we made the wrong choice. I want to read from another part of this book that said that same year he married. So this is talking about... Okay, let me read from the beginning. Back in 1900, a trace was done on offspring of Jonathan and Sarah Edwards. Okay, Jonathan Edwards was a theologian, pastor, missionary, and university president. He had a brilliant mind. At age 10, he entered Yale College, and at 16 years, he graduated at the head of his class. When he was 23 years old, he became pastor of the church at Northampton, Massachusetts, which at the time was the most influential church in America. That same year, he married Sarah Pierpoint, a daughter of one of the founders of Yale, and they had 12 children. By 1900, this godly marriage had produced 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 80 holders of public office, including three United States senators, three mayors, three state governors, a vice president of the United States, and a controller of United States Treasury. She goes on to say, nearly another century has gone by since this study. How much more has this one family influenced the nation? This happened because one husband and wife had a vision for raising a godly seed and building a godly dynasty. And I think about that. I'm like, wow, 12 children. Could I have 12 children? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, could I have a few more? 100%. 100%. And she does go in on like she doesn't believe in fam- natural family planning. They um, believe that, you know, God will stop a seed or thrive a seed. And um, I'm still on the fence about all that, about not being able to naturally family plan. I, you know, again, I get what the book is saying that I'm taking it out of God's hands. And so that's something that I'm going to still wrestle with. But let me leave you with this. She says on page 111, the unsatisfied womb. It saddens my heart when I hear of husbands who refuse to allow their wives to have more children, even when they long to do so. Unfortunately, they are ignorant of the intense longing and desire a woman can have to nurture a child in her her womb. The word of God, which is God's eternal truth and has all understanding on every matter, states that the womb never says it is enough. Proverbs 30, 15, and 16 says, There are three things things that are never satisfied. Ye four things say not. It is enough, the grave and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. Mothers who have felt the desperate longing for another child can understand the cry of Rachel's heart. Genesis 31 says, When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. I want to leave you with that because I think that this is something, a journey that you have to pray on. And I feel convicted that I am not perfect. I may not be able to control everything. But I know for a fact that I want more children. And I pray that my husband gets on the same page. I pray that we can see a bigger vision for our family than what's immediately in front of us. And I know I know we can produce more godly children to make an impact for this world. And my husband, and just to kind of end a little bit, 
my husband and I have been talking about this for over a year. And um, he's given the go-ahead to meet with a reversal specialist in San Diego. So he's agreed to a meeting and we'll see what happens. But I know my position as a wife to respect my husband and submit to my husband. And so I will try and do that. No matter what happens and we'll go from there. But I hope this, I hope talking all this out has given you all something to think about in your own journeys when it comes to being fruitful and multiplying. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to reach me, you can reach me on my email at alexaannrockwell at gmail.com. And Anne is spelled with an E. Don't forget that E. And follow me online. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is alexaannrockwell. And if you'd like to help me out, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Ba 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 ba